Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. You know, as I've said before, during this time of the coronavirus, COVID-19, or as one of my medical guests corrected me, it is actually officially SARS-CoV-2. In any case, whatever we call it, I decided until further notice to dedicate the Reasonable Voices radio program to reminders of how Americans have weathered many hardships before and came through them stronger together. However, this is not a happy talk show that will ignore or deny reality. We are all in a bind, but we're in it together. Having each other, we will hang tough. Which made me think of my reasonable voice today, successful recording artist of many different musical styles, mother, and my dear good friend, who I've had the great pleasure of directing in New York, the one and only Jenny Burton. Welcome to The Reasonable Voices, Jenny. How are you today? I'm good, Martello. I was just thinking as you were saying the name of your show that I really love that name. Well, thank you. I, I love that too, and it came from... Not that you asked, but it came from... Um, I published an article, oh, uh, I think probably when Bush-Cheney were re-elected, and someone reviewed it or whatever, and the the writer of the review said, this is a reasonable voice for our time. And I went, aha. I, but I really love that because we all need we all need as much, many things that are reasonable, Marcello, at this time as we can get. Absolutely. <laughs> I am going to get in more information on Jenny, but I love that you love what we're doing, and I certainly always appreciated your work too and it's been I should tell everyone it's been decades since Jenny and I actually spoke uh, well that's not true we've spoken several times in the last week but that was that was to prepare for this show but it has been quite a while since uh, we've worked together and and so it's a pleasure to have her on the show Jenny Burton has had a long and varied career as a superb vocalist working successfully in dance music R&B gospel, and inspirational music. 
the daughter of a South Bronx minister, Jenny Burton brings to her music a passion and devotion, creating inspirational music at its best. A consummate performer, Ms. Burton has thrilled and inspired audiences around the world with her inimitable style of tear-down-the-house energy and commitment. Now, you know why I slowed down for Tear Down the House, but we don't yeah. ever forget to ask you about that. <laughs> Watchfire Music recently released the best of Jenny Burton, along with a 64-page commemorative digibook uh, chronicling over three decades of music making. Also, her CDs, Reaching Out from the Inside and I Think on These Things, continue to be two of Watchfire Music's bestsellers. So, dear friend Jenny Burton, again, welcome to The Reasonable Voices. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> I am too. You know, I mean, really, and I don't want to spend too much time on our work in the past, but we have to touch on it at some point because I go back there on a regular basis mentally. I really do. The people who were in it and you were the best and... and and the audience that showed up because of the people who win it. But maybe we'll save that for last. Okay, yes, let's get to you. So, is your music making mostly in the studio, playing new roles and developing new music? Is that's what's happening now for you? Yeah, I've been really grateful for that, actually, because, as you know, I took a job in the corporate world, so sometimes it's hard to hold the job down and try to do things live, although we did a piece that we'll talk about later a few years ago, but I've been grateful for the work in the studio because it continues my ability to sing. And Peter Link, uh, whose music I've done most of my career, um, he's been the predominant writer whose material I've sung, has probably done two or three musicals in the last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even with what's happened with the theater, there's so many new ways now to present theater and of late we've been working on a greek tragedy called iphigenia but it's allowed me to go into the studio you know all the way back to december when we did a christmas album and do background work which is different because it requires a different quality of singing mm -hmm. and lead work but i've been happy to be able to do that you know, I keep trying to tell people that, too. It, it really is, as with every challenge we get, whether we like it or not, it is a it can be an opportunity to learn new things and do new things. So we can't just sit around and mope about it and wait for Broadway to be able to reopen. We want everyone to be safe. But we can get online. We can get into the studios. You know, we can work from the home studio, as I am right now, for that matter, and produce new stuff and good stuff as well and and learn and we're learning new stuff i don't know about you but it, zoom was just something i've recently conquered <laughs> but i love zoom yes Both just to have a conversation with someone i just had a zoom call actually with somebody and um they well first of all they zoom me with video which means they could see me oh. and and i'm running around the house <laughs> saying oh my god and um, before I clicked on, I decided not to let myself be seen, but I could see them and they could hear me. <laughs> I've done and that, that too. was good enough for me. But the <laughs> fact that you can do that, you know, even on a personal level to talk to your friends, relatives or whatever, and then the business capability that it gives us now, I think it's really cool. Yes, it is. You know, it really is. 
I mean, I miss hugs, but you can you can send a hug through Zoom other ways, telephone calls even. Okay, let's this this is grand. It's so good to hear your voice. Tell us about recording Beat Street and White Nights and what features recorded them for. Beat Street was for Harry Belafonte's movie, which he did about break dancing, um, break dancers, and because I was on Atlantic Records and the gentleman who was president at the time under Ahmed Erdogan recommended me for doing music uh, in the cast album and so I think Peter and I have like five songs in that cast album um, there were supposed to be three but I think two were released so I did the theme song with Patrick Jude who's a wonderful entertainer called Strangers in a Strange World and then Peter and I did several songs one of which I love called You Got It in the score the, of the film and White Nights again came from a recommendation from the president of Atlantic at the time uh, to do one song called People Have Got to Move in the cast album of that as well so those were opportunities that came along when I was an artist on Atlantic Records okay well excellent I mean you know you have had quite a career and you also you had four national number one R&B and dance hits Tell us more about that. Yes, and in, in the course of my time on Atlantic Records and Plateau Records, which was kind of intermediate production company, I was signed to them, and they had the relationship with Atlantic. Um, and so I did a song called One More Shot with John Roby, and that garnered interest to um, have Atlantic get more involved. And so we then went forward and did a few other titles on Atlantic Records, mm -hmm. and those were top ten records and it you know for me it was hopefully a way into other than dance music on the label so we did do three albums in the course of my time on the label and we were able to do different kinds of music but then they had a change in the A&R department and they wanted to do different things uh -huh. so at a certain point we had a discussion and they kind of didn't want to embellish on other things that I wanted to do or to grow me out of the dance music market so Peter and I had different ideas so we went into an, uh, you know doing other things but that really was a great blessing for me because those songs are still alive are still played are still I just did a gig in September in Porchester at the Copacabana and for the first time in I don't know how many years mm. sang one more shot I remember what you like songs like that and, you know, that, it's just great fun to have that as something I did and something that people still respond to. So one more shot you mentioned. It rose to Billboard's number five slot and, and led to your first major label, yes, solo label? Yes, and that was Atlantic Records. I did that record with Plateau Records, Eddie O'Loughlin. And so because of that, and because of also Atlantic's interest in John Roby, yes. um, I think the combination of myself and John, Atlantic was interested in that. And I think that kind of music, along with Alan Baker, who was uh, also, I think the two of them did music in Beach Street, there was a real interest at that time in the kind of music they were making and mm -hmm. the kind of sound John was was producing. So they then, you know, we went forward then to do albums. Because my first album, there are several songs on that album of that John wrote uh -huh. and produced. Wonderful. What was your first LP release, and how did it come about, and where did it lead your career? Well, it led to two other albums. It was in the early 80s, and 
again, it went from me recording that single with John Roby on the Plateau Records through their production company to Atlantic becoming interested. And then we did that first album. Then it led to the other two because of the success I had during the, that span of time on Atlantic Records with those albums. We were gaining at that time. And then also, I think that that things changed in terms of the kind of music that was being made over that period of time. So In Black and White, I think, was my first album, and that was like 1983. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then we did an album called Souvenirs, which was 86, and then an album called Jenny Burton, which was 85. Uh-huh. And I Remember What You Like? That was on one of those albums, I think probably on the Jenny Burtner Souvenirs album. Well, this is all fascinating, I'm telling you. It's, uh, I know it's a, a trip down memory lane for you, but for a lot of it, for me, I mean, I knew you were good when you... I don't even remember exactly... I don't think you ever auditioned for me. I think you came with the producers, is that right? Uh, of the probably. show we directed, yes. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names because... Okay. You know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, but I think in spite of people who were new to the business, they certainly brought together people who were not new to the business, and we created a, a great show, and you were a major part of that, which brings me to, not that this song was around in those days, but it brings me back to in part of your intro that I made, it Tear Down the House, because that's a powerful song. I actually play that a good deal. Tell us about Tear Down the House. I don't want to give away anything because I do believe... I like all of us, I impose my interpretation on what I think the lyrics mean, but I don't think the lyrics should be limited. And I think you do not only a beautiful job singing it, but the way you end the song really leaves it open to us. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, that is a Peter Link song, and we always never wanted to impose what we thought of felt on another person mm-hmm. or on the listening audience it it, it 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 really whenever you listen to music it's what you can garner from it what it makes you feel and how uh if it's that type of music how it changes what you think if it changes what you think but tear down the house so prevalent for today that's one of the things about working with peter is that he is a visionary and somehow when he writes I could sing that song today because basically each individual, especially now during the pandemic, our house has been torn down Mm -hmm. through this pandemic as we've known it. And the whole concept of anything metaphysical has always been about taking a really deep-seated look into yourself. And if you want to make changes and if you desire to make changes and align yourself with something better then you might feel you're connected to in a present moment that you have to go in and dismantle things yes and and rebuild it and so whether or not this will happen during this time marcello it is in my opinion what we're being asked to do mm-hmm. you know and tear down the house also speaks about the condition of things you know when he wrote it and the condition of things now yes you know, and whether a person wants to swallow that pill or not, there are certain realities, like you said, that we're all facing, and we're facing them because we've had part and parcel in what we've created. Yes. And you know, uh, that's a lot to that's a lot to swallow. You know, but 
That's why you and I, composers, theater, singers, do what we do because we ingest sometimes for long periods of time a lot of what's going on around us and then it it births itself through us yes absolutely you know and that's the highest thing that we can do for the planet absolutely man i see i didn't i didn't know if you were going to go there or not but that is the that is the answer i was looking for we artists it's our job it's our mission our calling we're going to take a break because can't top that this uh, segment that's for sure okay we're talking to jenny burton longtime friend and varied career as a superb vocalist we've talked a bit about her dance music r&b gospel inspirational music we're going to talk more with jenny burton in our next segment please stay with us there's a lot more to come and now from watchfiremusic.com vocal artist jenny burton Singing, Who Will Heal the World? To the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and our guest today, our Reasonable Voice today, is the singer Jenny Burton. We had a magnificent first segment trying to catch up on all the things she's been doing. I want to start off, if you don't mind, Jenny. Uh, is anybody listening? I know we've spoken a great deal about Peter Link, and, uh, and Peter is watchfiremusic.com, and he's been the primary producer and composer of your music. I wonder how you and he have worked on Is Anybody Listening? What What is that? A concert? Webcast? What What isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, well, is it, it's a concert. It, it ran for four nights at the Sheen Center in New York City, 2017. So it was an inspirational uh, music concert. It was, as Peter always is, innovative and inspiring. It was Right now there's a free 90-minute online video concert you know, and it's good for family because it just deals with 
it's kind of soul searching. It's an arousal of humanity and its ability to survive, to survive and thrive. But I think again, um, because of what swirls around us, Marcello, Peter decided to write to the question, is anybody listening? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the best way to do that, to point a question like that to the people that will hear it, you present it to certainly in a concert in a theater where you get a large body of people coming to see the work, you want to put it into a palatable state. So music becomes that vehicle. So we decided to do a concert. We had four evenings to do it. We put a nine member cast together of really wonderfully talented people. Uh, Julia Wade was the co-star with me. Peter directed. But we wanted to ask that question. And we we put a stage together where there was an amazing scrim behind us so that we could project imagery onto it. And it's kind of, it was innovative because it's a concert in a theater and with this, you know, almost like a pot-oriented type situation. Mm-hmm. But we did it because, again, you just sit around and you watch uh, around you what's happening. And Peter decided he wanted to ask this question. So we, we talked about water, how precious water is in the concert. We talked about how the young men in our world are being raised. We talked about people's rights. But all of this had to be done in a way where people could sit mm. and not be hammered over the head with the question. Exactly. And the, and the subject matters, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But could leave maybe thoughtful about it. And we had people that were really touched by this experience. And um, again, we just had a wonderful cast. We had a wonderful four nights. The We have a cast album that's available on watchfiremusic.com. We've got the live concert, concert up on YouTube. It's 90 minutes. It's a video concert available for people to go see. And so once we finished, you know, normally theatrical experience goes on for a while. We only had the four nights. So then you you begin to seek after how, gosh, you know, I just sat down and wrote a show for a year. I only had four, four nights to do it. So how else can I now offer this? So he just decided to offer it as a free concert at this point because the question still is relevant important yes well yes is anybody listening exactly i you know and how much i wonder that same thing i do a great deal of political writing these days and and wonder if it, if anyone is listening and then i will get comments online and from emails from people and so some are but we need to reach more and i think what you and peter and julia have done in a live concert that is also a webcast that is a video on youtube you're reaching more people and by asking the question is anybody listening it does make people think because we can't run away from it i don't think we should sit all day watching news on the television or cell phone these days because that's that just gives you the bad news and it just grinds it in and grinds you down but what you really need to do what you need to listen to is what are the solutions that you can bring about what do you think well part of it too what i found is that i had to limit what I listened to about the news because of how conflicted it started to be. Mm -hmm. And mostly I realized, Marcello, that you can't serve two things. You either have to be 
come informed on a sober level and yes. close out everything else. Because if you don't, it will rob you of any hope you have of there being an answer. Yes. Or, or any hope or energy that you have in becoming a part of the answer. Yes. So what I, what I decided to do was to limit what I listened to and how much of it so that I could leave a place in me that was empty of that so that I could still garner hope, garner the ability to be civil in the street, garner the ability to be sober-minded in what I needed to do to protect myself and others, garner the ability to support someone else that's going through a hard time. You know, all of the things that you need to leave space for, if you don't leave that space, they're not going to allow you to leave that space. You have to make that choice for yourself. Yes. Brilliant. Absolutely. Where did the title come from? Is anybody listening? Would that just pop into Peter's head as so much does? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, I have often marveled at the fact that whatever, especially his some of his songs are so amazingly written that you know they just came through him. Yes. And I think, I think based on how, whatever he thinks inside of himself and all of his all of his thinking processes, he's a very intelligent man, a very aware person. I think that this was just something that, like you said, for lack of better words, just came to him. Yes. It had to come, you know, had to flow through, absolutely. And, and when you write, when that's what you do, there's this, this, that channel inside of you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, so oh, yes. I'm sure what when you start to write what you write, whatever you write, whether it's political or song or you're trying to write how you want to direct or see a stage play done, that there's a place in you where that information filters into. Yes, you know, and, and, and so I believe that that's what happens with people that especially are well-orbed and stay practiced in their craft. Mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be a wonderful conversation. Let let me let me ask you about this webcast, this YouTube production. First of all, how can we see it on YouTube? Where do how do, what do we type in to get to it? I think you can just uh, put "Is anybody listening?" in um, live concert because that's how I've accessed it. Okay, and there. When I, you know, it depends on what comes up for you. But I, if it's the, if it's the caption that I went into yesterday, I'm I'm standing there on stage with the cast in a white jacket, mm-hmm. and you just I just put into the search bar is anybody YouTube, or is anybody listening YouTube live concert, and it just came up for me. Okay, sounds good. And this was shot with five cameras. Yeah, it was a five camera shoot. Uh-huh. We did it over two oh, like two nights yeah. and it took about 6 months in the editing room. Yes. And the recording studio, they offered it prior to putting it on YouTube as a webcast for organizations and churches that might be interested. Uh-huh. And then they decided to just release it for free on YouTube so that it wasn't something held in the can somewhere because we had had only had the four nights to do it live. So, you know, Peter just came to the, the conclusion to just give it to people because of the message. Yes. You know? Well, you know, I've done soap operas, so a five-camera shoot is not a minor operation. And, no. uh, and of course, months in the editing room. Uh, people I talk to a great deal of time, don't they don't know why it takes so long to edit something. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to explain that to people other than to say, 
you can make this beautiful thing and it and it and that takes time to to reach that level of perfection that you want but things are especially when it comes to on camera it's the post production and when it's music and on camera well everything everything just doubles in in the craft and in the ability and in the demand and challenge to make it all sync in every sense of that word to give you Absolutely. the finished product it's this. absolutely because because you know you, we're competing a lot when you put something up on YouTube or you do a webcast or whatever you you have to kind of think about you know what people are seeing on an everyday basis what they're exposed to yes. what people are used to in terms of quality and you may not be able to do the ultimate thing that they see and are attracted to but you you know you try to keep your standard high because you know when they click in that you're competing with everything else they watch yes. And I think where the edge certainly is, in addition to the talented Watchfire music, you and Julia Wade and Peter Link, and you have a whole team of technical people and, of course, other singers as well. But what really Watchfire music is doing, the edge that it has on most other things, is that it's giving hope. When you click on your music or Julia's music and Peter Link's music, it's about hope. It's a call to action, but it fills you with hope. And I think that's something that makes you a leading attraction wherever, whether it's YouTube or anywhere else. That's my opinion anyway. Well, thank you. Um, and I do, Marcello, when I'm, whenever I'm struggling, I put music on. Yes. Oh, you yes. know, um, because it just soothes me. And, you know, my roots are in gospel music, so a lot of times I will listen, you know, to watch fire spin off, and I just go onto YouTube and I bring up the gospel artists that I love, mm -hmm. and I just listen to them because I spent a lot of years in in church. My foster mom was a metaphysical uh, minister, and she had a church in the South Bronx, and I was in foster homes for 18 years, so in those homes there was always a church affiliation, so I grew up exposed to all of that, and... I just, I go to that whenever I am just struggling or even just needing company. Because, yes. you know, we're so, we're so home now, yes, yes. which is, uh, you know, the safest place to kind of be. Not that I stay home. I venture out and do what I need to do. But I do find that I go to music for inspiration and sometimes guidance. Yes. It's true, you know. Live music, such as it comes out of Watchfire Music and, and the songs that you sing and and theater, whether it's on Zoom or online, wherever it is, good acting, good scripts, good material, really show us the way forward. It gives us courage. It gives us, as you say, even on a day when everything seems to fall apart, you get charged again. You get rejuvenated, and you're ready to take it on the next day. And I, I think that's the calling, the highest calling that any individual, and certainly any artist, can fulfill, I believe. I'm, one, one more thing. Your CD released, it reveals your sort of combo style of R&B and inspirational music. How does R&B and inspirational music fit for you? How do you see them as a unit? Hmm. Well, in some ways, Marcello, I don't even know that how far I get away from inspirational or gospel music yes. in all that I sing. Yes. But I think that sometimes it's just an R&B song. You know, I mean, it's just about, I did a song called I Want to Stay. It was just about a relationship that I didn't want to leave. You know, you depart from it being inspirational and in that it becomes, the arrangement of the song becomes a more R&B song and the lyric lends itself more into that niche. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I'm not necessarily in that song trying to say, 
anything inspirational. I'm just trying to say, I don't want to leave this relationship. We did a song called Safe Inside the Rain. Uh huh. And it was about a relationship that had broken up. Yes. So you're not standing on the stage in that moment trying to impart anything inspirational. But somebody might come away from that because we also did a song called Love Runs Deeper Than Pride. Yes. And so we didn't set out for that to be an inspirational song because if you listen at the arrangement and the lyric, it, I don't know if it would sit in that niche. But we did that song several times in several concerts outside of the city and people came up to us and said that because of that song, Love Runs Deeper Than Pride, they were able to see into relationships that they needed to fix. Yes. So you're either deliberately going for an inspirational lyric and arrangement, or you're you're veering off a little bit and you're just doing an R&B song. Well, so there you don't try to confuse those two things. Yes. But, I, but an R&B song could be inspirational. It's yes. just what you decide. Yes. You know, and I think again, the artist—they bring their life to it. Uh, that's part of what's flowing through them is all of their life experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly. It's our work, and when it touches people, then gives them hope and moves them to be the best they can be and to contribute to the solutions. I think sometimes we can't necessarily know how much of an impact we have on people, but we do. Right. Before we go, Jenny, tell me a little, what do you remember about the show we did together in New York City 20 years ago? Well, I think um, what was the most important, and, and I'm not trying to, um, what do they say, uh, kiss up, kiss up is yeah, the word, yeah. but I think the thing that I remember the most was working with you. Oh, wow. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I just, that is so important to me the clarity with which a person is working with me as an artist that they bring to me in terms of what they want from me or what it is I need to do as much clarity and sometimes structure as because I, I do well in structure and then improvisation. Gotcha. But when you know structure and, and you respect the structure because you know that you, you know, I'm the kind of artist that does best with those two qualities going on gotcha. the structure and and then there someone says to me okay now you've got room here to do you yeah or to do what you want to do with this yes. material or this part of the song or whatever but whenever I work with a person who gives me those things and also just has the respect for the artist they're working with that creates an environment that I so need and, and I think that's why I've been so careful about who I work with. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to feel like uh, they have to coddle you yes. because, you know, after years of experience, you should know how to go in and pull things together that you need to do with whatever performance. But it's always good when you've got a person that knows how to both be the director and the person in charge and knows how to move all of that around and, and does it with a respect for the art and the person that they're working with. Wow, well I didn't, you know, and I have to say, and who's going to believe it, but at least we we know it. That's exactly what I remember about that show. I think it was one of the first times I'd ever seen you, and here you were on stage, and you came with not only great talent, but great material, and you were, you were not new to this. So to hear you say that, I really appreciate it, because I really felt the same way about working with you, and, and 
In that same show was Joey Fay. Joey Fay, who, when I was a child watching the Danny Thomas show, Joey Fay was often a guest and would do this routine. And I got to direct him when he was 80 years old and actually do that routine. His scene partner wasn't quite getting the timing of it, you know. And he and I had seen it all when I was a kid, and I got up on the stage, and it was just something. So you and Joey are my fond memories of that show, and uh, it was quite amazing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, Marcella, I just um, want to quickly, I wanted to say that it was such a pleasure to work with Julia Wade. We've done other things together. Yes. She is formidable. I have gotten to know her over the years seen and seen her tenacity, her generosity, you know, with other actors or singers on stage. She has a really wonderful, well-rounded talent, a tool belt, I would say. Yes. Speaking of the languages, singing everything from opera to pop. Yes. They've called her a female Josh Groden. Yeah. But I wanted to say something about her because it's been my pleasure to get to know her as a person and a performer and to work with her. Yes. And also, just back to Released, I went on and looked at the songs on that album, and I just wanted you to know that I did a song called Just Like Catherine Hepburn on that album, and, you know, songs like South Africa, Baby Come Back, Wasn't It Good For You, Indiscreet, There Is You. So those songs were more in the non-inspirational vein, and Catherine Hepburn was one of, I absolutely adored her. Yes, yes. So I went to Peter once and I said, I want to do a song about Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> well, there you so are. He, so he wrote it. <laughs> so he wrote it. You know, and, and so, but, but looking at those titles while we were on the phone, I wanted to see what was on that album and to say, yes, that is a departure from just straight out inspirational music. Yes. Well, you are a departure from so many, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, really... Okay, let's make certain we have nice and slowly and clearly for everyone how we can find out more about you, website, and about WatchFireMusic.com. Where do we go? Well, they just go to WatchFireMusic.com. Across the top of the page, there are always options, home, about, shop, services. But under shop, S-H-O-P, there are artists. And you can just go, uh, it's all in alphabetical order, Julia's music out, Peter's music, there are samples there to listen to. And there are other inspirational artists on the site and different artists on the site, both instrumental and singers. Mm-hmm. So watchfiremusic.com and for the Is Anybody Listening YouTube. And so we're all there, you know, which is cool. I've been grateful to be able to, to do music and release it onto their record label. It's an internet inspirational record label. And so it's given me a place to continue to record and, and put music up for people yes. to go and, and enjoy. And there are samples there, so you can listen to, you know, to portions of songs and get a sense of, you know, what a particular album is or what it's offering. Peter told me once, because I asked, why watch fire music? And he said, it comes from the Battle Hymn of the Republic. It tells us what watch fire music is about and what much of the music that uh, Julia Wade and our guest today, Jenny Burton, sing is all about. It comes from the soul. It comes from that place called hope it comes from it comes from the heavens let's put it that way okay we have been talking with jenny burton thank you so much jenny burton for being on the show today was so good it's like you know we never left (laughs) 
Thank you. Well, you you make that very you make it very comfortable, Marcello. And thank you. I'm honored and very glad that we finally got to do this. Please stay well and stay blessed, and know that I am very honored and very blessed to have done this. And you know, I don't I, I don't uh, try to uh, sound. Uh, I'm not an overly religious, knocking people over the head with that. Uh-huh. So, but I do believe that we need all the help we can get now, and. Yes. We have a wonderful universe that's available to us and that will bless us if we'll just align ourselves with that. There it is. Those are our parting words with Jenny Burton, our guest today. You be well, you be blessed, take care, and stay in touch, okay? I will. You too. Thank you. All the best. Bye. Bye now. And now, from WatchfireMusic.com, vocal artist Jenny Burton and composer Peter Link singing... You got it. Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. What kills democracy? Our failure to choose justice for all. How we perceive the global COVID-19 SARS-CoV pandemic and its if-you-can't-beat-them-join-them political Hail Mary marketing reversal, Operation Warp Speed, for misadministrating shots of vaccines, and its fast-forwarded race against presidential arrogance, media manipulation, indeed time itself, exposes beyond embedded historical fears to our broader centuries-old sleight-of-hand grasp of self-truth. History most easily repeats itself most efficiently the very moment we, the easily impressionable people, fail to follow the line of succession from LBJ's Gulf of Tonkin lie and Nixon's Watergate-break-in impeachable offenses through fantastical overdoses of trickle-down, welfare queen, government is the problem, misleading campaign slogans, to McConnell's Bork revenge against all Democrats, particularly all Obama and Biden presidential public policies, to reconnect Americans to United We Stand. However, the intentional discordant bridge from Nixon to 6 January 2021 didn't culminate with the sore loser Moscow Mitch, nor the wildly yet tiny swinging pendulum of Lindsey Graham, or the foxy anti-we-hold-these-truths-to-be-self-evident tag-team Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, continually enabling clones like Nunes and Marjorie Taylor Greene to spawn the infection of America's infamous tragedy. 
Americans replaying near-suicidal short-sightedness, killing our own young with our blind faith in the profiteering chicanery of corporate-sponsored warmongers. We really had to be exceptionally mesmerized by the mushroom cloud con of Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz to accept forever oil wars in which the Watson Institute reports between 480,000 and 507,000 people have been killed in the United States post-9-11 wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, before all we like sheep could willingly prostrate ourselves as welcome mats to the big lie of our 45th. The destruction of our democracy needed every shouting attendee of Trump rallies from Tuesday, 19 January 2016, to every 2021 attacker of our nation's Capitol building and all Democrats, Republicans, and Independents therein. While by far the tightest grip on the champion of death tolls trophy belongs to global pandemics standing astride the bodies of so many who could have been spared but for the lack of competent and caring leadership. However, coming in second for the Selfish Negligence Award are those whose chosen mission is to convince Americans that patriotism best honors American values by being manipulated, duped, and ultimately sacrificed by one's elected leaders. We need now internalize this forever. Such a definition of patriotism is a false positive, perpetuated by those whose sons and daughters are rarely sent into harm's way. So, when evaluating communications and communicators, election choices, or revising our opinions about conservatism, or those who've most recently gone sour on the big lie, conservative Republicans in Congress and many state legislatures have decided to vote. The end justifies the means. Divine obedience to regain and maintain political power at the expense of Americans and our electoral process. It's time we re-evaluate, reconsider, and remember. 1. Not all presidents fit the mold of Washington, FDR, and John Kennedy. 2. Currently, the legacy of conservative republicanism reflects more Jim Jordan and Ron Johnson than Senator Eric Dirksen. 3. There are more Thurgood Marshalls and Ruth Bader Ginsburgs on the supreme bench of democracy than there are Thomas and Kavanaugh duos. 4. Too many Americans suffer, go hungry, even die, every day to maintain the cash flow for elected officials long on promissory notes with little intention of delivering on anything save using our taxes to fuel their rise up the ladder of self-aggrandizement. 5. The International Criminal Court still considers senior members of the Bush-Cheney administration war criminals. Why? There were no weapons of mass destruction, no threatening axes of evil, until world stage elevated by Bush-Cheney and Trump-Pence. 6. Remembering American World War II internment camps for Japanese Americans, or Nazi-like Tuskegee syphilis testing on American citizens of color, can, understandably, harbor a lack of trust for the old white fathers maintaining a chokehold on power. 7. Currently, the legacy of Edward R. Morrow, Walter Cronkite, Huntley Brinkley, has been tarnished by conjecture, shamed by hyperbolic distractions, and mocked by poor attempts at variety show entertainment, minus the variety. With too much news sacrificed to fleeting TV sound bites between too much corporate marketing. But from now on, 
committed to thinking. Perhaps we won't be blinded by the manufactured patriotism yielding profit for those who choose to send us in harm's way in a Vietnam or Iraq. So, before we form political opinions that impact our daily lives, consider this. Just because a congressional Trump supporter opposes the big lie Trump employs to gouge the gullible doesn't excuse their conservative agenda of anti-America, anti-people of color, and anti-women voting record. Maybe, just maybe, if we think of the global coronavirus COVID-19 SARS-2 as a rehearsal for what our children and grandchildren will face the more we deny the effects of climate change, we might just make better political life choices. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.